In episode 497 with James Wedmore, we are talking all about doing what you love, how to make money doing what you love, how to find your passions and turn that into profit, how to be a great leader, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because I love online business. I have had an online business since 2011, and I love the possibilities that come with it. And I am so excited because James is an online business marketing guru. And for over 10 years, he has taught entrepreneurs and online business owners how to leverage the power of online video and YouTube marketing to reach more people, share their message, and convert more customers. In 2016, James made a massive shift to focus on the big gap missing in the marketplace, your mindset needed for entrepreneurship. He launched a totally woo-woo podcast, the Mind Your Business podcast, and his signature program, Business by Design. Today, he helps coaches, experts, content creators, and authors not only craft better marketing messages, but also how to ditch the hustle mentality and create success from the inside out. This is such an incredible conversation. If you are wanting to find what it is that you are passionate about and turn that into profit, or if you already know what you're passionate about, To take your business to the next level, you are going to love this conversation. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 497. Now let's dive in. James, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Well, would you like me to tell you what I have for lunch? Because I, I do intermittent fasting, so I don't eat breakfast. Yes. Okay, perfect. Tell us what you had for lunch. <laughs> You're going to laugh. I had breakfast tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I had breakfast tacos for lunch, but it wasn't my breakfast. And I love, I love breakfast tacos. It's like my favorite thing. How good is it eating breakfast at lunch or dinner? It's my favorite thing. I love, <laughs> I love breakfast for dinner. I love breakfast for lunch. I love room service and room service breakfast. You combine those two things and I am the happiest person on the planet. You're easy to please. <laughs> I'm so easy to please. <laughs> I'm so basic. <laughs> oh, well, I am so grateful that we've been able to connect. I'd love to hear your story and how you went from bartending to an eight-figure digital business and an eight-figure digital CEO. How did this all happen for you? Take us back. Oh, my goodness. Well, we probably have to put some time limit on this episode. It's a long story because, you know, like, but I think the theme, there's a couple of themes to, to pull out is I've been doing this for over 15 years. And I think that's the thing that kind of unsexifies and demystifies any any like substantial success with anyone is like, oh, you've just been doing this a long time. And it's like, 
damn straight. But that's where I started as a bartender. And I chose a path of being a bartender because I liked the idea of being somewhat in control of my financial destiny. And it wasn't much, but it was enough to say, if I do a better job, I get paid more. I get tips. And one of the first things I actually started doing was researching and reading books and like going to blogs and forums. And this is like 2006. I mean, this is like old internet days and trying to find content information on how to be a better bartender and how to get more tips. And that dove me into a world of <laughs> learning what's called bartending flair, which is like how to do bar magic and juggling and stuff like that. And I started incorporating that at, at the bar. And sure enough, I'm getting more more tips. But I didn't really like bartending. I didn't really like working for somebody else. If I'm being really jerky jerk, I, I didn't like working for a manager that I didn't even respect. I'm like, I could do your job better than you. And I don't trust you as a manager. So I had a really hard time with that. But long story short, I finally had this light bulb idea to be a bartender for private parties. And I, I overnight dubbed myself a mobile mixologist. I don't think anyone before or since has called themselves that. And the mobile mixologist means I would come to your party and I'd bring my own bar and all my own equipment and I'd pour you and your friends some drinks. And accidentally, I was in business. And I did a few and I, I really liked it. I was hooked. It was really a lot of fun. And I was like, it's better than working at the bar. It's better than working at these restaurants I'm working at. So... I just started going down this path of, okay, so how do I get more gigs? That's what I call them, gigs. Kind of made me sound like I was a rock star. Like, I got a gig tonight. And I was like, what do you mean? You're bartending, you're pouring, you know, rum and Cokes for people? Like, you got a gig? Yeah. And, And so that entered me into a world accidentally of sales and marketing. And this is way back. I mean, we're talking 2006 Okay, that's a long time ago in internet years, especially. And so the short, short version of it is, I figured out what SEO means, I figured out how to do it search engine optimization. And within a matter of weeks, I had a little website that I built myself on the first result page for any town in like a 40, 50 mile radius plus bartender. So Laguna Beach bartender, Newport Beach bartender, Orange County bartender. And there was me in a bow tie on the top of Google. And every day, like clockwork, the phone is ringing off the hook and I'm in business. And I got in so much business that I had to start hiring bartenders and hiring my cocktail waitresses. And then I'm, I'm working with caterers we're getting into staffing and, and rentals and, and just extracurricular type things. Like I had, we'd do magic shows and bartending flair shows. And all of a sudden this thing just blew up. And I'll never forget a very pivotal moment because we used to do this annual party every year for this huge company at this unbelievable estate where it was a big party. It was a New Year's Eve party. And they must have had 300 to 400 guests every year. And they did it. This was like a, a, an annual traditional thing. And they, and they would hire my bartenders every year. And about three years into it, the person who hired us was like, you guys are the best we've ever hired. You are the best that we've ever, ever had here at these parties. And these are always the best parties because of you guys. And they were really drunk. And, you know, ironically, I was a little drunk too. And I said, you want to know our secret? You want to know my secret? And they're like, yeah, what's your secret? And I said, uh, none of us are really bartenders. Everyone that I had hired were all just my uh, drunk party friends from college. 
And, you know, you have to understand I was in like my, I was like 24, 25, 26 at this age. And that's when the next light bulb came was what I was loving was building the business. What I was loving was the marketing. What I was loving was the team aspect of it, bringing people together, creating something, getting it out there, solving problems and, and being really good at it. And so I said, what if I could teach other people? Cause I started like a lot of the business became, I was, I had a staff of 15 bartenders. So I was training people that had no, but I didn't, I don't want your experience. I don't want that experience because you know, the whole, like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I wanted someone that didn't have that so they could learn my way of bartending because it wasn't really a science of bartending. It was more of like how to create a special event for your guests. And that's what we were really selling. And so I was teaching people how to do that. And then I said, what if I taught this on the internet? And in November of 20, 2007, I registered the domain Bartend for Profit. And that's when like the first online business started. And I made my first sale six months later, $200 plus like $19.95 shipping and handling on April 18th, 2008 is when it was. And to someone in San Antonio, Texas, that was my first sale on the internet one of the greatest days of my life. And I'll never forget that. And I, I just had that simple thought, which is if I can do this once, I can do it again. If I can do it again, I can do it a third time and a fourth time. And I never looked back. And so the second theme in this journey of mine is what I call today the leapfrog effect. I had this moment in my life years later where I could tell you where I was driving. I was at a stop sign in Laguna Beach, my hometown, California. And it was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I realized I had grown up in high school and in college, really discouraged and really hard on myself because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And here I was, this is about 2013, 2014. And I had evolved. I wasn't no longer the bartending guy. Now I was the YouTube guy. I'd been teaching people how to do video uh, because I went to film school. And that's what everything morphed into. I had this moment of like, I love what I do. I'm doing what I love. And I used to be so hard on myself that I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And as I look back, everything I'm doing today, and I'm still doing what I love and loving what I do, and that's evolved since then, wasn't even invented then. Like, how would I have known in high school in like 1997 to say like, yeah, you're going to have like an online, you know, video marketing business, or you're going to teach online marketing. Like that, that didn't, AOL had just come out like a couple years earlier. Like this wasn't, this wasn't a world yet. And that's when I really played around with this concept that we call the leapfrog effect, which is just to trust that whatever you're doing right now, wherever your heart is leading you, whatever you're enjoying, we want to lean into that and pull back in our perspective to see what if that is preparing you for the next thing? What if this is a, a stepping stone to something more and, and bigger and, and greater? And maybe you need to learn this lesson or master this skill first, and then you'll get to that next level. And that's where the next thing will evolve to. And so today where I'm at, it's a completely different you know space, but we are leaders in teaching you know, online business development, online marketing, and even team and leadership. And we've built an eight-figure company doing that with a very small team. I, I know people that have businesses about like the third in revenue of us and have three times as many employees. And it's eight of us, including myself, that run this company, do several events a year, you know, multi-seven-figure launches. And um, it's like the culmination of 15 years of everything I learned 
from hiring and training and building a team and learning marketing and getting clients and, and putting that all together in something and embodying it yourself and then now teaching it to others. So it's like 15 years, but every one of those years was a, a leapfrog into the next. And I, I, if you would have told me 15 years ago, as I was behind the bar and you're, I'm pouring you a drink, that'd be doing what I'm doing today. I was like, I think you're crazy. But here we are. <laughs> totally. I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. And I could fully visualize you there doing all of your crazy wild things with your cocktails and your mixes. And if you can't visualize it, it's still on YouTube and you can search it anytime you want. And there's a ton of videos of me juggling bottles and doing weird stuff like that from 2008. Yeah. Awesome. Epic. <laughs> we'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so many people, they want to find what they love. And a lot of people want to do it online, you know, especially with what's happened over the past couple of years. People want that freedom to work from wherever. They want that passive income. But where do we start? How do we find what we love? And how do we know it's good enough to monetize? Yeah, those are two very different questions in terms of finding what we love and then the monetization of it. You know, I can give a really really short answer for, for these and we can expand upon them on what you want. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's really hard to find what you love when you've been told that life is tough and then you die. When you're told that it's all about struggle, hustle, and sacrifice. When you're told to grow up, when you're told to, to not do what, you're what you love, that that's not okay to do. If that's the operating you know, software that we're running in the background, you'll never find it because you have found it. You're already doing it to a degree. It's probably for most of us right under our nose. But for whatever reason, we've colored it as, yeah, that's just a hobby. Or, I mean, pff, I don't take this seriously, right? So if that program, you want to keep running that in the background, that I'm not allowed to live a life that I love, if I'm not allowed to do what I love and love what I do, nothing's going to change, period. And I always like want, yeah, I can teach a lot of really cool business and marketing stuff, but I really want people to learn from how I've chosen to live my life and then adopt in what works best for them. And you know, I always want to have fun and I always want to be lit up and, and passionate about what I do. And I want people to see that. Okay. So I do love business and that's the thing. And I will say something a little bit contrarian that'll turn some people off. But like, if you want to go into business, you should love business. And if you don't love business, you probably shouldn't run business. And that's the thing is like, people love one aspect of it. It's like, well, I love baking cakes. So I'm going to start a bakery. And then you realize, well, like, well, the moment you start a bakery, you're not really a, a baker anymore. You're a business owner first. And I think that's the thing that people don't really understand. And so a lot of what, what I teach and do today is to have people fall in love with, with business because business is actually very, very simple. It's very, very simple, but it's very counterintuitive to everything that we've been taught. And I can only speak for like, there's a lot of great stuff that's coming out today. And I can only really speak for the public education system in the United States. But there's a lot of stuff coming out today that's realizing how outdated a lot of the educational system in our country is. 
I'm forgetting his name, Sir oh, Kenneth something. And he has some incredible TED Talks about education reform. And, you know, and then there's a lot of people seeing like what really created our, our education system. And it was really a need to have more workers in the workforce and in the factories. And, you know, so a lot of it is do what you're told, uh, sit down, ask per- permission, raise your hand, wait for the bell. And n- there's no judgment. There's nothing. I'm not, you know, trying to start any arguments with anybody. I really wouldn't waste my personal power on that. But what we have to understand is that the the world of entrepreneurship and business is a is a small minority. It's a growing group, obviously, over the last decade. I mean, the amount of businesses that are growing is just like exponential, and I'm so for that. But we have to understand that if we're operating from the the teachings and the the perspectives and the beliefs that we adopted, then we're operating from an employee mindset while trying to run a business and nothing like running businesses is, is the complete opposite of thinking and operating like an employee. And so unfortunately what people do is they take that employee mindset to business and they say things like you have to you you know work harder and work longer in order to be successful. And that's such a like scary myth that we need to dispel because if you're if you're te- if you're operating from that and we're competitors, then you're you just gave me um, like you just exposed yourself to the biggest, um, like weakness ever. Cause you're saying the only reason, the only thing for your competitive advantage is that you can work harder and longer. I'll just go hire someone right now. Now you're out of business because by me hiring one more person, two of us can already outwork you. And so that's all you bring to the table is your work ethic. You know, I'm not saying have a bad work ethic, but that's not where your value comes from. Right? So entrepreneurship, is there's a, a, a total different world of, of of our values there. And why am I saying all this? Well, part of it is if you don't love it, we got a big we got a big problem. So how do we fall in love with it? Because this is <laughs> well, the thing, like so many people, they love coaching or they love marketing or they love social media and they want to turn that into a business or photography, whatever it is. And yeah, they don't love the business side of things. So how do we fall in love with business and ultimately leadership? Because leadership comes with having a business. We actually are doing a series on my podcast right now on on a series with leadership. Leadership has been a huge topic for me. In fact, nonstop, constantly, anytime I ask, like, what do my clients need? Like, what do they need to hear? What what can I attribute to the, the growth that we've had? It comes down to team and leadership, great teams. And great businesses are built by great teams and you can't have a great team without great leadership. It's absolutely required and entrepreneurs don't want to hear it. People starting a business don't want to hear it. I understand that. It's like, I just want to do this little thing on my side and and that's fine. Like there's little side businesses. Absolutely, that's wonderful. You know, there's nothing judgment. There's, there's a million ways to do a million things. But yes, that is a big piece. So how do you fall in love with business? I would say the only answer I can offer right there is like, I can say you'll never fall in love with business if you're running the operating system as an employee mindset, trying to run a business that way. And so that's that's what I see. And I can give about a thousand examples of how people just don't know how to run a business properly. And then the business ends up running them. And then there's like no way anybody could enjoy that. And so an example of that is when we decide how we want to grow. That's what every business owner wants. They want to grow their business. But most people don't really know what the strategy is for growth. Great, you want to grow your business. How are you going to do that? 
well, I'm just going to take on more clients, which means I'm just going to work longer and I'm going to do more things to get more clients. And again, nothing wrong with that. But for everybody at that, that strategy, at some point or another, will will hit a brick wall. Because there's only so much work you can do in a day. There's only so much time and energy that you have. And so you're working from finite resources, except that the entrepreneur became an entrepreneur because they love the infinite possibilities that a business can give them. But they're still working from a, a finite nature. And so when we start thinking in terms of leverage, leveraging our time, leveraging our resources, and, and leveraging people and attracting people, it takes on a whole nother, a whole nother level. And so I become, I tend to be very contrarian in my, in my teachings to my students. And it's very triggering to them. They get very upset. And it comes with nothing but love and compassion because I spent several of those years doing it wrong. And it was very painful. It was very hard. I actually the part of the story I skipped out is when I got addicted to my sister's Adderall who had, she had ADHD. I did not, but I realized that if you pop some of these 20 milligrams, 40 milligrams a day, you can get a lot more done. And that's what I did. I dropped down to 140 pounds. I looked like a skeleton. And I was like, I'm, I can work from sun up until I pass out at two in the morning. And I had nothing to show for it. And one of the first things that changed for me, and this is a very simple change, I want to throw this out there for anybody that is beyond the idea stage. Obviously, like we, we can talk more about how to find a great idea and I'll, I'll talk about that too. But someone who's already starting to be in business, it's say get, get your first hire or find your first virtual assistant as quickly as you can. And the amount of people that I've said that to, I mean, I will preach that on the highest mountain over and over again. You cannot do this alone. Do not try to do this alone. The moment you get help, so much changes. And the, the overwhelming response for people is says, I'm not ready for that. And I know why they're saying I'm not ready for that. Well, the surface level reason is, is because I'm not making the money. So I can't afford that. And of course, my rebuttal to that is, that's why you need them. You're not making the money to afford them because you're not outsourcing. What? That did, huh? That's one of the greatest distinctions and changes in thinking from the entrepreneur to the, to the employee is that the more you do yourself, the more it's actually costing you. Because if you're working from a finite resource, everything you say yes to in terms of, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do this to-do item, I'm going to work on this myself, is taking you away from something. So it's a no somewhere else. And what we tend to do, we're all guilty of this, is we say yes to the things on the to-do list that are safe, that are easy, that are in our comfort zone. And that's where like that whole willpower fatigue comes in. It's like, oh, I got all these things to do. I'll just do this one. And then we're always just doing this one. And this one is always the safe thing. And then all of a sudden, you do that and you operate that way for a couple of months and you go, I've been working my tail off. I've crossed 736 items on my to-do list. What do I have to show for it? And for a lot of people, it's close to nothing. My first hire in my business yeah. many years ago in 2011 was a virtual assistant, mm -hmm. which I split with one of my girlfriends who was also doing an online business as well. So we split this virtual assistant. It was the first hire in my business and one of the best decisions I ever made. It was yes. scary. It was definitely scary to of do it because I'm like, how can I afford this? But yeah. it was the first step. So I love that you said that. And I, I understand it. I understand it's scary. You know, it's like, but, but this is what you signed up for. So let's do it. 
And it's scarier to spend years of your life doing it all yourself and only look back and say, I have very little or nothing to show for it. So here's what happens. A couple things happens when you do hire that first person, as scary as it will be. That just means courage. Courage is taking action despite the fear, right? Is number one, it's going to force you to do the things that you've been putting off. And that's an important distinction right there to say, if you were to write down everything you need to do on a to-do list, which I don't like today operating from a to-do list, that's another employee mindset, but that's another conversation if you want to go there. But if you were to put everything you need to do over the next 30 days or by the end of whatever the next month on a to-do list, I'd like you to consider that those items are not all created equal in terms of their value. So if we assign a value to them, they're not all created equal. Some are $5 tasks. Like, oh, I got to update my webpage. $5 task. Oh, I got to write that book. $10,000 task. Who else is going to write that book but you, right? And then in anywhere in between. And number two, they don't all take the same amount of time. So you have a low value, time-consuming task or a high value, not time consuming task and, and all the variations in between, but we're just doing them all whatever's right in front of us. And there's not much discernment there in what am I saying yes to and what am I saying no to and the opportunity cost with everything. So when you start saying all the, and people say what they ask me, they go, so what do I have my VA start with? It's easy. The lowest value activities that take the most amount of times that you do the most often. And I, you go, I don't know what those are. And say, great, create a work diary. It's one of the most boring things. Most people don't do it. But you create a work diary. And every activity that you do, you write it down. You write down how long it took. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just people don't want to do these things. But if you do it, that says something about who you are and your commitment to this. And the person that usually does it is the person that's gone through enough pain of doing it the other way and it ain't working. And they're like, okay, what do I got to lose at this point? So you write it down. Okay, you write down how many hours did it take? And then you're going to do two more things. The third one is you're going to say, what value is this activity? Is it a $5 task? $5 an hour task? Is it a $10 an hour task? Is this a $1,000 or $100? However you, it's subjective, I understand it. But you need a subjective relativity as you look across all the other items. So you write down the task, how many hours it took, the value, and then number four, and this is the magic one. Did you document this? Do you have a process for this now? If you got into the habit of that, that changes everything because now we're present to how we spend our work day. We, we become aware of where our time and energy is going. And I really, truly believe that when, we're, when we are unaware of what's causing success, we tend to jump to the worst conclusions. It's me. I'm just a loser. No one likes me. That's why my business isn't growing. I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving enough. It's like, you've been telling yourself those stories your whole life. Stop telling them now because that's not what this is about. It's just, we didn't learn how to build a business. It's a crash course that you have to learn. Even if you went to business school, I'm going to guarantee you, you didn't learn half the things you're going to learn when you're actually running your business. Or how to be a good leader. I mean, yeah. I was asked on a podcast once, what's your biggest accomplishment? I said, building my team. And he said, why? I said, because it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And um, learning how to, how to lead is like unlearning everything you think you know about being an entrepreneur. I mean, wow. Because Can you talk about that? Like what, yeah. what are some tips? What are some, you know, for someone listening who has a business and realizes that this is an area where they really need to pour some yeah. love and energy and attention. Totally. Where do we begin? How do we become good leaders? Yeah. So I'll say I'll say one of the first things, because this is the, just the most common thing, is control is a big issue. 
entrepreneurs tend to have huge control issues, big egos and huge control issues. And one of the reasons why we have control issues is because it's like why we wanted to write a, do a business in the first place. We want to control over our financial destiny. It's like, did you want freedom or did you just want control over what you make and, and all that type of stuff, right? So in order to be a great leader where you're bringing on others. So it's like that really simple logic that I just use. If great businesses are built by great teams, a great team requires great leadership. So if you want a great business, you got to be a great leader. It's, it's required. You must be willing to give up control. You got to let go of the wheel. And that is really hard. People are going to hear that, write that down. Oh, that was good. And then they're going to go back to white knuckling their business. <laughs> so, so good, right? I, I'm, this is anything I'm saying, I've been there myself. Okay. It's just a lot of years and a lot of experience and learning a lot of lessons. And a lot of those lessons were really painful lessons. And I had someone tell me they didn't do an assignment, a big assignment. And the due date came and went. And I got on the phone with them. I was like, what happened? You didn't do it, did you? And they're like, no. Said, well, what happened? Why not? I was very nice. I was just curious. And they said, well, what's the point? You were going to redo it anyways. That's when I realized they still had some control issues to work through. So control is a big one. To let go of control, that's the absence of something. So you have to replace it. So what you're replacing letting go of control with is giving responsibility. Okay. So those are, those are an exchange. It's like Indiana Jones switching out the, the bag of sand for the gold thingy that weird gold thing. Oh, it kind of looks like this. Like he switched out the gold thing and he put the bag, right? So you're removing control and replacing responsibility. Okay. So if we're running a business together and I say, you know, Melissa, I'm seeing that our clients are, a lot of our clients are starting with like coming into the DMs of Instagram. And then I'm, I can just get them on a call. And I was like, I really want us to grow this year. I want you to take on Instagram. I believe that if we grow the following on there and increase our engagement and just create some, some of our best content that that's going to help grow the business. And that's all we got to focus on. I see what you've already been doing with Instagram. And I would really love you to head up our Instagram growth. And I want to give you a metric or two on Instagram. That's something that you and you alone are solely responsible for growing. Is that something you would be interested in doing over the next 12 months? And you could say, Yes, you could say no. So in order to ask a powerful, authentic question, you have to be willing to receive an authentic no, right? You don't every, I don't want a yes man or woman. I want an authentic person that's willing to tell me the truth. And so you say, yeah, let's do it. And we could just start to talk it out. So what do you think the metric we should focus or you should be focusing on that you would be responsible for? And you say, you know, James, like some people say followers, but like, honestly, I think it should be engagement or I think it should be real views, reels, views on your reels. I love it. Okay, let's look in and, see what have we been okay we're getting about five thousand per reel and it's like what do you think we should hit per reel you say i think we double that i think we'll get it to ten thousand okay that's the metric i want to hold you to that's your metric now do you accept it yes okay great so now you own that metric every week you're going to report that to me and you're going to create a goal okay of total views by the end of the quarter we operate from 90 day quarters and then my last question is my favorite question if you tell me you want to have a total real, real views of, I'm just making numbers up, right? 125,000 views, which I love that. That's great. Okay. What do you need from me in order to knock that out of the park? So I have given up control and I have given you responsibility. So if we don't hit that number, that's because of you. Now, this is a delicate place to be because 
I'm not talking about blame. And this is where people go to the like shadow aspect. Responsibility isn't shame or blame. It's ownership. So you own this now. You are responsible for it and you own it. And that means that the buck stops with you. It's, it's on you. My job, my responsibility is to create an environment where you get to hit your goal. What do you need from me? How can I support you? What's my, one of my favorite qu- uh, questions within my team is what's slowing you down? What's slowing you down right now? You tell them what's getting in the way, they'll say nothing. You say, what's slowing you down? And they'll tell you. And then my job is to say, okay, I'm going to fix that for you. Or I'm going to get someone to fix it for you. Or I'm going to handle that. Don't you worry about that. I need you getting our real views. I need you focusing on that and that alone. And that becomes your target. And as we know, what you focus on grows. And now all of a sudden, I start to build a team where I'm reverse engineering the metrics that matter in the business, the KPIs from sales to leads to social media views to traffic to whatever. And then handing out and in an enrolling way, not just saying, here, this is yours now. So that's why I did the role playing conversation there. I'm getting people enrolled in the responsibility of those metrics. Today, the reason we can have an eight-figure company with eight of us, and I'm one of the eight, so there's seven of us, and two of those people are part-time, is because we know our metrics, and every member owns a metric. Now, here's the best part. When you do this, this is, this is my favorite. I no longer have to be a manager. The metric manages the member, not me. I'm not a manager and I don't need to manage them. The metric, because it's black and white. You either hit it or you didn't. It's very clear. And you saw it coming. We had a 90-day goal. You weren't even a third of the way there, like halfway through this. You didn't come to me for, hey, I need help. How do we try something different? You didn't try, you know, the metric does the management. And then you, if you're someone who is more of a coach or teacher, get to stay in that role. I'm just trying to coach and teach you to do a great job. But the metric is going to tell you if you are doing a great job or not, not me. Does that, does this help? So helpful. And people love responsibility. Yeah. I find with my team, when I hand them over something, I can see their eyes light up because essentially we're saying, I believe in you and I yes. believe that you can do this. Yes. And that just lights them up. So giving over responsibility is such a beautiful thing. Everything you've said is so helpful and just so powerful. But I want to know, why do you love digital products as a business so much? I'm a teacher at heart. So I can talk about the business model side of it, but I'm a teacher at heart and I can't help it. So I love, I love teaching and that's what I've always been doing. So that's what I realized what I was doing with the bartending thing was I was teaching people how to bartend and I loved that more than bartending. So I go, great. You know, it was just like anything to get me to the next thing. That's what I was seeing full circle is like, you will, if you're just doing you unfiltered and unadulterated, you'll start to notice that you're naturally moving towards that which you love to do. If you allow yourself to to live and to to be and to be, yourself like fully expressed and manifested in the world, you'll naturally move in that direction. I just kind of intuitively knew that. So for me, I love teaching. And it's I love the only thing I love more than teaching is coaching. And so I really always try to blend the two together as much as possible. Now in terms of a business model, it's, um, it's obviously something that has a very low overhead. 
right? I'm not doing, I'm not in the fixed product world where we have like fixed costs and razor thin profit margins. I can create it once and I can sell it again and again and again and get in the hands of thousands of people. I can also have products that are available for years on end. So in terms of a business model, I think it is the one of the most scalable and profitable business models on the planet. I'm sure there's a few others, <laughs> but obviously from a business standpoint, I, I love that tremendously. You know, we have products and coaching at every level. And I've done it all too. So even if you want to ask me any questions, I've done low ticket, I've done high ticket, I've done in person, I've done virtual, I've done big events, small events, masterminds, coaching programs, online courses, memberships, you know, all the different styles of launching. I've done the tripwires and the funnels and the challenges and the actually I haven't done a challenge, but I've worked with a lot of people who've done challenges, but I've done live launches, pre-recorded video launches, webinars, email promotions. You just you do it long enough, you're gonna do a lot of things and build up a lot of experience. But yeah, I love every bit of it. What's been the most successful or has it all been really lucrative? If we're measuring success in terms of financial performance and and profitability, I would say without a doubt, uh, strategically, our three-part live launch. This is some a big piece of what I teach and encourage students is doing... You know, a lot of people want to do evergreen, I do everything. I have an automated, whatever you want to call it. You know, I have, uh, I've automated funnels running all the time. But there's something about the, the magic and the energy of doing a live launch that is like people are a part of an event. They, they feel your energy. They're with you in real time. And you're going on a journey and you're doing it together. We measure success in a launch by one metric and it's called EPL, earnings per lead. That's my favorite metric to look at. Earnings per lead measures the earnings you make per lead or registrant into the launch. So the higher the EPL, the more financially profitable or at least sales and revenue wise, the launch did. And hands down across the board, every single time the three-part live launches are our highest EPLs. In fact, we see over $200 EPLs when we, when we do those launches. And uh, I do once, once a year and bring on affiliates and it's a, it's a grand old time. And what's that product? That's my that's my signature business and marketing program, Business by Design. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, that's that's that that's another thing too, is like I don't know if this is an employee thing, other or just like a silly human brain thing, is what starts to happen is when we start to see a little success, we accidentally misassociate the causes of success. And I think a mark of a great leader and a great entrepreneur is their ability to identify the true causes to something. And that's something that really fascinates me. I think we focus on the wrong targets. I think we focus on the effects as a cause when the effect is the effect, not a cause. An example of that would be someone who wants to grow their following focuses on how to, how to grow a big following. I want more people. So I'm going to focus on getting more people. That's a byproduct. That's an effect. And um, the cause would be creating content worth sharing or being a leader, or providing value, or helping people, or creating community, or being engaging, or teaching, or sharing. And people don't focus on those things as much. They focus on the, on the, on the effect. So I feel like to be able to develop the ability to identify what are the true causes and continue to replicate those are huge. For me, I love online business. I love digital products. I have online programs, books, live events, virtual events. I have my podcast. I have digital products and I love it. And I've 
toyed with the idea so many times of like a physical product. And I do have a couple, well, my books are physical products and I've got my Holy Mama journal, which is a physical product. But there's something so magical about online products and the freedom that it allows. So you have five ingredients that every digital business needs. Can you share those five ingredients? I can. And I remembered I was going to say something else. So this is where I was going with that is when you were asking about business by design, so much of like what allowed us to scale and grow the company was focusing on that one thing. And so what I was doing before was I was creating something, launching it, and then going, wow, that was successful. And so then the brain mis mis ineffectively correlates what causes success and saying, oh, it's creating and launching something that caused success. So now I'll go create something else and go launch that. Oh, that was successful too. Let's go create and launch, create and launch. And all of a sudden I've worked myself into a create, 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 create. And now I've flipped my 80-20 and I'm spending 80% of my time creating and only 20% of my time actually attracting customers. And so a huge part of the, the change in business for us was when we flipped it and said, what if we're only creating 20% of the time? And today a motto in our company is do less, do it better. And launching 80%. So we've been able to, to take a company, we went from 2 million to 10 in one year. Wow. In one year. My, my CFO consultant, was the CFO for freecreditreport.com and he, they sold the company and made a bunch of money and he's like retired and just consults with small businesses for you know shits and giggles. He said, I've never seen a small business do anything like that, especially someone who's been around for a while. And you know, one of the secrets to that was I, I just went all in on one thing. And and it's like we have what I call these energon cubes, which is our energy, our time, uh, our work effort put that together it's energy on keep so we again it's that finite resource so we only have so much of that so instead of going i have 15 products which is what i had and i'm going here you get a few energy on cubes you get a few energy on you 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 here 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 i'm diffusing all of it and i said what if i put all 100 of my energy on cubes into this one thing right here and that's when it went quantum like total exponential. So that's what I was going to say. That, that was like, wait, there was something else I wanted to say. I go on these tangents and then my tangents have tangents, Melissa. It's awful. And then sometimes I get lost in the streets of my mind. I'm on like Tangent Boulevard and I take a right down on Random Avenue and then I'm like, where am I? Oh, okay. I found my, I'm, I'm lost, but found again. I need a, I need a GPS for my brain. Okay. So we're going to talk about the, the five ingredients. So here's the cool thing. So we're looking at anyone who wants any type of online business around digital products. The first thing I like to do is I look at it like a machine. I think it's a powerful metaphor. Machine has an input and an output. We want to think like Willy Wonka chocolate factory. I put in all the ingredients and out pumps, pops the ever stopping, everlasting gobstoppers. That's what it is. So in we put our energon cubes, time, money, resources, and out comes clients, sales, profit, revenue. So five gears. The first gear of this business machine is our offer. Our offer is the thing that people think about the last. It becomes the afterthought for most people. That's very scary to me. But your offer is the very thing that will determine if you make money or not. Show me one person that's making a lot of money with a bad offer. Like, you don't go and say, wow, that's a really bad offer. I don't want that at all. 
but hell, take my money. We don't do that. We give our money to things that go, oh my goodness, I can't live without that. And if we're saying that, that means it's a great offer. Okay. Now, once we have the offer in place, what I noticed long ago is that in the digital marketing or digital product space, digital products don't sell themselves. They can't sell themselves. We've probably all bought, and everyone listening here is probably guilty of buying something on Amazon in the last seven days. What was the last purchase I made? I had to get a new um, camera lens because we're filming some videos. And I was like, I want a new camera lens. I want to get a nice fancy schmancy one. So I did five minutes of research. What lens do I need? What's the, okay, I like that one. Went to Amazon, boom, that's it, right? But there's a lot of times I don't even do that. It's like, you know, oh, here. I like to give really real life examples, Melissa. Um, we're, we're redesigning my, my office here. And I'm like, I would like some handles for, for my dresser drawers. And I went on Amazon, five minutes, found, oh, some handles. Here they are. They just came in the mail yesterday, right? There they go. 15 bucks for two. Boom. That was 30 seconds of my life. You know what I mean? That's not, how, that's not the buying behavior of digital products. And people need to figure that out. And if you're trying to sell your digital product the same way you're trying to sell an iPhone case or door handles, you're, now you know why you're not making sales. It's just sitting there collecting digital dust. So you need a sales system. And there's a whole world to get into, but that's the second gear. And the sales system, this is what's very funny. Again, I'm very contrarian, but I, I like to change the way or assist in the changing. People have to do their own changing in the minds and the, and the thinking approach for, for business. People go, so what's best, like a webinar or video series or, or you know, because you asked me, so should I all do, should we all do a three-part live launch? Should I do this? And the most important piece there is, is I break down inside a sale. Those are all sales systems. But if you were to break down what contributes to what, I would say the type or style of launch mechanism is like a 10% factor or variable on, on the outcome. The, the 80% of what will determine what makes a great sales system, and obviously a sales system is just any, I can give ingredients for it too. I can go as crazy and deep and, and talk as fast as you want, Melissa, or I can, I can be low and slow and boring. It's totally up to you. You can just turn the dial any way that you want. And uh, <laughs> I'm just your puppet, okay? You just tell me what to do. But the, um, the, uh, the 80% of what will determine what's going to be an effective, great sales machine is the messaging. And you can take great messaging and put it in a webinar, in a challenge, in a hologram launch, in an email, in a funnel. It doesn't freaking matter. But if you don't have great messaging, you say, I don't get it. James said, do a three-part live launch. I did a three-part live launch and it tanked. Three-part live launches don't work. I say, no, your messaging sucks and probably your offer too. Until you change those, you can do a million three-part video launches and you're not going to see any results. I don't care what anyone tells you. Those have to get excellent. Okay. So when, when you go, what is a, what is a sales system? It's really simple to me. It's a message or free content free con it doesn't even have to be free you can do paid launches i love paid launches i love all the outside the box thinking here but it's content or experience or it's an experience with content plus an offer and a deadline that is it oh my goodness rocket science content offer deadline that's all you need to ever remember i am giving content the content is actually the context that sells the offer and then there's a deadline which means there's a decision point this is not going to go on in forever. I'm not going to wait 20 years while you make a decision to change your life. We're gonna, we've got to figure this out now because that's all we have, right? So those are the first two ingredients. Any questions there? You want me to keep going? Keep going. This is great. Okay, cool. So obviously, if we have a sales system that sells our offer and no one goes into the sales system, we've got a big problem. So the next year has to be attraction. Now, the reason I call these gears is they become processes in your business. They become the things that we just need to re rinse and repeat on autopilot. 
I run the same offer, I run the same sales system, and I run the same strategy to get people into that sales system. So attraction is the process you use to get audience to become, I would say, traffic or leads, and then leads into the sales system. We are reverse engineering an outcome. That's all it is. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said habit number two was begin with the end in mind. The end in mind is people buying your stuff. So we're starting there and we're working backwards. Okay? So the offer needs to be there first. A sales system is what sells the offer. And then the attraction system is what sells the sales system, essentially. Gets people into the sales system. Not rocket science here. Okay? There's two more gears left. These are the fun gears. These are the ones that people say, I'm not ready for, but these are the ones that put the juice on it. You got to have these three dialed in first. Got to have a great offer. Got to have a way to sell the offer. Even my little sister has started a business. She's finally jealous enough of her big brother that she said, I'm going to do this too. And we did an amazing case study episode with her because she did her first year in business and she's a mom with two kids. They're young kids, so she's pretty busy. And she's just following exactly what I'm saying. And the reason I bring her up right now is she's in a launch right now. She did her first webinar. She's never done a webinar before. She's like, I had no idea what I'm doing. I told her how to do it. She got her first two sales and she has quadrupled, no, 8X'd the price. She's selling it at $888 when she started this a year ago. She was selling it at 100 bucks. What was and her product? She just, it's, um, it's called Razor Vibration. And my sister is this like crazy weird woo-woo. If you think I'm weird and woo-woo, my sister is that time's... I'd say about three or four. And she teaches people how to start talking to their guides and develop their intuition. Yeah, it was really awesome. Wow. She's like incredibly gifted in that in that sense. It's beautiful. And she had 13 people on her webinar and two bought right away. And she's in the open cart sequence right now. And she's, you know, over the over the moon, just floored, excited, you know, because she didn't have a big audience. She didn't use Facebook ads. All these excuses people use. I don't have a list yet. She doesn't have a list. She has like 1,100 people. I'm going to find out. No, I, my phone's recording. I don't even know, but it's less than 2,000 people, like 1,100, 1,300 people follow her on Instagram. And she was able to get 25, 30 people registered. Half of them showed up for this. She did an hour of the con- free content. She made her offer and her deadline is sometime next week. And she's already got two people signed up. That's amazing. And it's, it's her third launch. Wow. You know, it's her third motion that she's ever done. And she's doing it on her terms and her pace. You know, like she's like a mom and she's been homeschooling the kids and she was even the caretaker for my dad while he was sick. Like she's got a lot on her plate and she's doing it her way on her terms. And it's like, it's beautiful. So these are the first three. Okay, here's what supercharges it. This is the exciting stuff that we get to do. The fourth gear is what we call ascension. Now, I don't mean ascension from the spiritual context here, but there's uh, something that we teach And this is missing in so many people. If you really want to build a business around this, if you're looking for some get rich quick thing, I'm not the person to help with that in any way. But if you're looking for a real business, here's where the real business is, is the Ascension model. The Ascension model, well, here, here's a metaphor I want to use. If we've ever been to Fifth Avenue in New York City, Fifth Avenue is infamous for those ridiculous window displays. And the window display is that thing that you see and you're like, wow, and you want to film it and Instagram it. And then, of course, if you like it enough, you want to go into the store. Your offer that we just talked about is the window display. It's the thing that gets people into your world. And as you know, once you go into that store on Fifth Avenue, the likelihood of you walking out with a bag in your hands gets, you know, the chances are pretty good at that point. And when people come into your world through that first offer, 
the Ascension model is essentially the back end or next level offers that you present to your existing customers. The stats and studies are so abound that I, I feel cliche bringing them up. The stats that say it's 10 times easier, cheaper, whatever, to acquire an existing customer than it is to go after a new one. So we know this. It sounds, it makes a lot of logical sense, but are we doing it? So we, we go around and we spend 90% of our efforts chasing people down with this one product or this one offer. And then they buy it or they don't. And then we don't do anything else. And we're just constantly spending all of our time and effort just going after that first sale, which is the hardest thing. Do you like doing the hardest thing over and over again and making that your business? Again, another way in which we can say anybody who's doing business the wrong way is going to have a hard time loving their business. We love what's simple. We love when it's a degree of ease that is feels kind of simple. If it's too simple, it's boring. But if it's too hard, we don't like it. This is an example of doing something that makes it easier. And so, yeah, we built a 10 plus million dollar business by selling one product that has a backend offer. It's a high level coaching program. And then when people graduate to that, I have a high level mastermind for seven figure entrepreneurs that they can graduate into when they get to that level in their business. And that's all I do. That's the whole business. And that's a $10 million a year business. Now I've done that since 2016. So when I say that's all I do, I got, I got a little bored. And so I said, I want to create a few other things. So I've added a few things to the mix. One of which, just like you said, you have a journal. We now have uh, our first like technically physical product, which are my copy conversion cards. Have you seen these? Have you heard about this? No, tell me. This is so cool. I'm going to send you a deck, Melissa, because you're going to just love it. You're going to love it. Okay, here's the deal. You know, you got to write a lot of copy in business. Even like, even sending this podcast out to people, somehow you're going to, you or someone on the team has to write some copy, whether it's an email, like you got to listen to this weirdo. He's kind of cool, but talks too fast, but you should listen anyways, slow it down. If you need to, you got to write some copy, right? Someone does, but a lot of people out there and obviously not you, but a lot of people out there just suck at writing copy, like so bad. And I got really good at it, but I didn't, I didn't learn from copywriters and I didn't like a lot of the copy that I was reading. I even didn't like a lot of the copy that people were saying was good copy. I wanted to learn from lawyers. I wanted to learn from people that could make a compelling argument. And that's what I think great copy is. I think that's what we're all here to do is make a compelling argument for our perspectives. I think that's all I've done here. And don't worry, I will get to the fifth gear, but we'll hold off for a second. And what I started to do is, is understand how can I make a case for my, for my message? How can I make a case for an offer? So I did that. So I said, the first place we want to start is an offer. And I said, think about it. You wouldn't, you know, show me one person who has a successful business with a bad offer. You wouldn't say, wow, that's a bad offer. That's crap. I don't want it, but here's my money. That's called logic. I'm just using logic. But a lot of people are just using flowery, fun, creative language and not to knock that, but a lot of times that's just like, oh, that was nice to read. But it doesn't actually have someone take an action. It doesn't take to have someone go take the next step or turn the page or click the link or buy the program. So here's what the copy cards are. You write a piece of copy and just like a tarot deck or something, or just like your angel cards, you pull a random card up and every single one of them, there's 54 of them, is a very specific language pattern, influential tool that you can use and apply in your copy. So here's one. This is pattern number three called get versus giving. And it's a distinction 
based on the idea that getting is the word getting is more powerful than giving in terms of the language of it. I can give you this and that. Like when we make it about, I'm going to give you, I'm about to give you, I'm going to give you is slightly less powerful than saying you're going to get because it makes it about you, the reader. These are these subtle little changes and tweaks we get to make to our copy, and they start to have this compounded effect. And I was doing these, and people on my team were bringing me copy, and I was like, mm, change the get to give, give the get to it, and, and put the you in there, the you, you, you know, don't make it about we or me or I, this is about them. And, you know, making these little changes here, add that embedded command here, future pace there, presupposition there, boom, 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 boom. And it was amplifying, making it better. And my clients started asking me that. So I put it all in a book. It was just like a PDF. And I said, here, and people were like, what do I do with this? And they weren't applying it. I was like, I want you to use it. So someone on my team, wasn't my idea. Hilarious. It was not my idea at all. They're like, what if we put them on flashcards? And I was like, that is a great idea. So we printed them all out on flashcards. And get this, this is the crazy meta part. We put it on a sales page, 47 bucks, 50 56% conversion rate on the sales page with the first the first promotion that we did for it. And part of the whole language is like, I'm using all the cards in the sales page. <laughs> so I'm, I'm using the patterns on the sales page and it did 56%. So it's kind of like a fun full circle like, so you know it works. And, um, and it's really cool because we've never really done anything like truly physical before. And it's it's a fun little thing to to put out there. So... Those are the conversion cards. I'll, I'd love to send you one. Melissa. I would love it. I would love it so much. Now, tell me, I would love your opinion on this. I have just come out of a live launch. Mm-hmm. I did free webinars. Yep. Did you say free or three? Three free webinars. Uh-huh. Okay, you said both. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, hour and a half long delivering content, and it was to promote my new program called Holy Mama. Now, that was the first time... I launched that. How many times do you think you need to live launch something before you turn it evergreen? <laughs> okay. So here's, here's the really, it's really hard to answer that. And I'm going to tell you why. Everything is contextualized. There's so much context that's, that's required. And that's not me trying to get out of the, the, the question. I'm not, I'm not trying to cop out. It's, it's actually a very important question because it's a very common question. The first thing I say is, is your goal I want to launch, 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 and then I'm, I I don't want to get bored of it, so I'll just... I'm afraid I'll get bored if I keep doing it, so I'm going to put it to Evergreen. Or was your goal to Evergreen it from the beginning? And that's a very important pace to, to start with, okay? Is the original intention to make this an Evergreen, and we're just going live to test everything? Then as soon as you have some data, I say go Evergreen. What I, what I don't love is people saying, yeah, I just launched something a few times, and now I'm bored of it, so I want to... I want to evergreen it. You know what I mean? Because I think we should be looking in our business of having a combination of both. Whenever anybody says what's better, I say, why? Well, they're both better for different reasons. And so I think we should always have something that we is our signature big thing that we have a big event around. And so I think you need to ask yourself, is that, is that this? Or is it something else? And we want to make space for the thing that this is the this is the big this is the big window shopping Fifth Avenue in the store window offer that's going to get people in my world. That's what business by design is for me, and that's been that for me for, since 2016. So it's a lot of years of doing this, and I will never ever green that. I'll never do that, and I can't give any other more reason or rationale than 
it, I, I just won't do that. It's that's the event. That's the experience. How many times a year do you live launch it? Just once. Wow. Yeah. And it does five to six million dollars a year. In wow. fact, you want to go, you want to go. That's not even the wow part. Here's the wow part. This is really fun. A couple of years back, we were doing two a year. The first launch did 1.9 million in the year. So this is like 2017, I want to say. And then we did it again and it did 2.2. So we're going to average that out. Well, it's 4.1 million. Okay. Now, remember the term I said about energon cubes. An energon cube is like a nebulous, ambiguous, subjective unit of your time and energy, right? So we have little projects that take less energon cubes. Big projects take big energon cubes, right? Or more energon cubes. So let's say that both these launches took 10 energon cubes, okay? Each, right? So it took an, a level of effort to do each, and they were pretty equivalent, right? That makes a lot of sense. So in what that means is it took 20 Energon cubes to make 4. million in the business. And then the next year, I did that, you know, shaking in the knees, freaking the F out decision to say, I'm just going to do one a year. And that was very scary for me. So that year was the year we did $5.9 million with one launch. 10 Energon cubes that generated even more than 20 did. That's where this all becomes freaking magical. Why do you think? Oh, I'll get to that. But here's the last piece of this. The previous year, it's 20 Energon cubes to do four. Now it's 10 to do almost six, but I still got another 10 left over to do something else. And that's how we were able to just blow things up. So then the question becomes, what caused that? Well, it's a couple of things. But I would say the number one biggest thing is that it goes back to what I was saying is if I get all my energy and I focus and I put it on that one thing, I'm doing less, but I'm doing that better. I was able to have a bigger runway, which means more promotion, more buildup, more anticipation. I was able to recruit more affiliates. I was able to train them more effectively. I was able to spend more time just working on all the pieces of the launch. I wasn't putting something average out there because I didn't have the time because I got to be selling something two months again. I spent more time improving less things. And then I would say, so from an internal aspect, it was, it became better because I got, I gave myself more time to do it. But from an external standpoint, I like to use extremes to prove logic. What's the infamous question that people always ask on the last few days of a launch? They said, you know, they'll go, Melissa, when, when are you opening the doors again? When will this be available again? If I said, oh, don't worry about it. Or if I just said the answer in three weeks, what do you think someone would, would do? Oh, I'll go next time. I'll get it next time. I'll wait. I'll wait three weeks. <laughs> and then three weeks have come. That same person would say, oh, um, when are you opening the doors again? And you say another three weeks. And they'd continue to wait another three weeks and on and on we'd go. So that's taking something like to an extreme. Like if I'm going to relaunch something every couple of weeks. But then the question becomes, what if you ask me, when is this going to be live again? When are you opening the doors again? And I said, this time next year. The decision to wait a year is definitely, we can all agree, harder than it is to wait three weeks. 
So there is like this sweet spot of this isn't just a decision to do this. It's a decision if I'm going to wait a year of my life or not. And that makes it a bigger decision for people. I think one of the big resistance points people have to buying is the procrastination or the, the idea of someday, one day down the line, that that's always going to be available. And when someday, one day has a finite date that is far enough away that it causes a little bit of like perspective, like, whoa, I got to wait a year before I do this. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Then I think that makes a huge difference. So when I launched it before and people said, are you doing this again this year? I had to say yes, because I was. But when I did it once a year, I'd say, no, I'm not. But we will be here this time next year. So that those are the reasons. Again, to some degree, it's a theory, but it's a pretty, it's a, you know, I'm sharing the, the real facts and results of what happened. And then you ask, like, what do you think is causing that? And those are my, that's a pretty, pretty like acceptable theory on what I believe is, is caused that. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And thanks for your honesty. I think we need to go back to the fifth ingredient too, because I don't yes. think we covered that. So let's go back there before I ask you another question. This is the real simple one. And we've already talked about it a little bit. And that's team. So it's really interesting because each one of these gears, the reason I like to call them gears is because they're a process that, that is run. And then ironically, the team is the one that runs the gears. And that's the goal. So I have a process in place for each. And then I get a team in place, which is a process. It's a process to get a team. You have a hiring process. You have a training process. You have a checks and balances process. You know, things like giving them metrics. And then they're the ones that run the gears. And when you do it that way, things become really awesome. So those are so those are the five gears with team being the last one. And I really, I really can't stress enough, no matter where someone is, even if they just started their business on this podcast, go get yourself a VA. Here's my last piece I, will, I want to say about that. Here's why. And here's why you shouldn't be scared. You can go to a place like onlinejobs.ph and just hire someone. You don't have to pay them until they do work. You can just say, okay, do you want to work for me? And they go, yes. And you go, okay, how much are you? And they're like, I'm $6 an hour. And you're like, great. Okay, I'm going to give you work soon. And I'm just going to email you. Okay. And they're like, great. And then maybe two weeks go by and you don't email them. And then you're like, oh, actually, this would be nice to give to a VA. This will probably take two hours. Great. You just 12, paid 12 bucks. You know, like you're not sitting there all of a sudden paying someone full time. And they're just sitting there waiting for work. You only pay them when you give them work and they do the work. And if they don't do the work, you don't pay them. You know, it's, it's really simple. So you could start someone out with $5 uh, or five hours a week and you're getting your time back. And entrepreneurs know that their time and energy is far more valuable than money. Yeah, exactly. What is your time worth? And especially having kids, like my time since having my daughter is just, it is so precious. So I love that you said that. Yes. And now I want to talk about someone who's listening, who's like, this all sounds amazing. And I have five ideas. How do I know which one is really going to make money and which one's got longevity? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a big question. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's an important question. But the first piece I want to say there is like, if that's you, if you're like, yes, thank you, Melissa, for asking my question. And that's you. How long have you been waiting for the answer? Because a lot of this is we're worried that we're going to waste time going in the wrong direction. And chances are for most people, you've wasted more time not making a decision than going in the wrong direction. 
And why I spent as much time as I did on my story was I really want to press upon people that it was action that created clarity, not the other way around. Most people are waiting for clarity before they take action. And I really just knew that if I got into action, the answer would come. It's just like going to a buffet in Las Vegas, because Vegas is famous for their silly buffets, and going, I don't know what to eat. It's like, well, start trying things. And if you don't like it, spit it out and go for something else. Contrast creates that clarity. And you can't have that contrast with the action of grabbing the food, putting it on your plate and putting it in your mouth. And so that will be the ultimate thing I'll always say is like, just get started. But I'm going to give up my more woo-woo response because a lot of this is a, is a head block that we have. We're overthinking it. We're in our head about it. And we don't trust ourselves. So here's the game you're going to play. Let's say you have five ideas. You write them all down. Number one, two, three, four, five. You write the idea down. Now you have to go back to that childlike imagination. I'm really good at that. I'm like a really big immature kid. I don't take things too much seriously. So hopefully you can play with me and have fun too. You have to play and imagine a, a reality where every single one of these would be equally successful. That's what step one. You look at the five and you have to play and pretend that all five of these would be equally successful. Now, if you knew that, that they'd all be successful, the magic question becomes, if you knew they would all be successful, then which one would you choose? And 100% of the time when I ask someone this question in real time, an answer jumps off the page to them and they know. And it's because for the first time in a long time, they got out of their head. And... The thing is, is then we get back into our head and we second guess ourselves again. And I think that's the thing is people are learning to be, they're waking up to becoming more intuitive and trusting themselves, but it's also like an oscillating process. So we have that insight and inspiration and that intuition. And then we go back and we go forward again. And then we go back. It's like, I don't know. I had it. I feel like I knew it, but and you're just second guessing it. And instead of second guessing it, just try it for 90 days. And this brings me to the power of that 90 day framework. Some of you have heard that. That is such a game changer. It's just almost too simple. But what you want to do is you want to pick that idea that your heart chose for you and you need to put it out there to the world in the next 90 days or less. And if you don't do that, whatever excuse or limitation you give me is an excuse of, of the ego. It's, it's, it's fear. It's, it's a total limitation. I've been doing this for too long today that I know that even my sister, I loved using my sister as a case study because she had nothing, nothing. She had no website. She had a zero email list. She hadn't even been talking about the topic on Instagram in the first 90 days. She got her first seven people to join her beta program at $111. And, uh, and she still has no idea what she's doing. I mean, it's wonderful. I laugh at her all the time. I'm like, you have no idea. She knows her stuff very well, but she's like, she's, she's like, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there and seeing what's happening. But she got the beta, what we call the beta launch out there in the first 90 days. And that's the process we call monetize before you make it. It's a, it's an, it's that first gear. It's that offer. And that offer is so juicy because it sounds like this. This is what my sister said. Basically, she goes, Hey guys, she went on live on Instagram. She made some videos and she said, I don't know if you knew this about me, but for several years, I've done a lot of spiritual work in the background. I've worked with spiritual teachers. I've gotten trained in several modalities such as Reiki. And today I work with a really powerful shaman that has really helped me to awaken to my intuition and, and work closely with my guides. And it's one of the biggest things that people come and ask me about is how do you work with your guides? How do you really start to tap into more of that in- intuition? 
and so many people have been asking me this, that I decided I'm going to put together a small group coaching program via Zoom for the next six weeks. I'm going to walk you through live trainings. I'm going to give you exercises. I'm going to give you homework. I'm going to give you the same tools that I've been taught that have really allowed me to tap into my intuition and do some incredible things like this, this, and this. I don't remember what those incredible things were. Those are hers, not mine. And I'm looking for the first five people, first 10 people, first whatever people to join me in this in this really special experience that I'm doing. I'm probably going to end up selling this for like 800 to 1000 bucks, but I'm looking for this first group. And so for that reason, and that reason only, I'm going to make it a no-brainer price since $111. But when I fill it up, it's filled up and we're done and we're going to get to work. I don't have a sales page. I don't have anything fancy. It's just a checkout link. But I'm also here on Instagram if you have any questions. But we start January 1st. If you need more than 90 days to do that, we got another problem. And that's, you know, that's where I'm like a tough love coach. It's like, you got to get out of your stuff if you want to do this because time is short and precious, as you said, and we ain't got time to waste. And people need your stuff now, not 10 years from now when 20 other, 20,000 other people are already doing it. And that's what she did. And you need an Instagram account for that and a checkout page. And you're in business and a Zoom account or a Facebook Live and a Facebook group. Like she was doing a Facebook group and Zoom. That's it. That was her whole business. Easy peasy. Totally. I call that voice inside your head, your inner mean girl. And that's the voice that's like, oh, no, you, no one's going to buy it or you can't do this or who do you think you are? We need to get over that, master that voice and follow what our heart wants. So I love that you said that. And I love that example of your sister. I was like totally signing up. Like as you were talking, I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. It sounds amazing. But talk to me. I've got a couple of, actually, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions for you now. Sure. I'll try to be quick. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm long-winded. It's, it's one. I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's do some rapid fire. Okay. okay. If you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, what book would you choose? I want to say a book like um, Think and Grow Rich. Not necessarily that book, but I think it's a great precursor. Maybe The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And then maybe when they're a little older, some of the work of Carlos Castaneda. But I think you have to kind of be more in like high school for that stuff. But something that would really allow people to, to trust the power of their mind. And those were great books when I, when I really started for me. I loved Think and Grow Rich. It's just, I think it's essential reading. It's so good. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to the next three rapid fire. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Um, find more time to be in silence. Yes. Just quiet that, that inner mean girl. And know that that is the work. That, that your value is in the, the ideas that come through you that will you know, and you're one idea away from a million dollar business and that can't come through in a, you know, trash can banging around the head full of noise. So the rest is the work always. Yes, I agree. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Um, it's so hard for me to limit it to one. <laughs> I, will, I want to say three. I, I want to say number one is find something to be grateful for that you would normally wouldn't be grateful. I think it's easy to say gratitude. I think it's not easy to be grateful for the things that you're not grateful 
that you would normally be un- upset for. Like, here's a great example of that. Again, I, I struggle with the short winded most. I'm doing the best I can, but like right now I'm going through a really heavy, messy divorce. It's, it's, uh, it can be really challenging, be really tough. And part of through that process, we have to sell one of our homes that we had in California. Well, my agent is my uncle. And I've gotten to reconnect with him and we have these like daily talks now. And my relationship with my uncle through this entire process is strengthened. And when it gets as hard and dark as it does, I, I intentionally look for the the silver lining and the good parts. And I'm I'm so grateful that because of that, I got to have this special relationship with with him. And I'm always trying to find the things that I wouldn't normally, you know, it's easy to be grateful for all the cool things that happen. It's not so easy when it's like uncomfortable and challenging. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is is always to remember that the receiving is in the giving. And so if you want to truly experience abundance, giving is the is the act of abundance. Giving is the act of abundance because people that are operating from the frequency of abundance give because they know that they will always receive more. So you want to feel more abundance. It's not about receiving more. It's about giving more. And giving more can mean anything. It could mean today I had a handyman over and I had some extra door handles from our remodel. And I was like, oh, you want these? These got, I can't throw these away. These got to go to good use. He's like, that'd be great. Here you go. Wow, that's so, so simple, but like, here, here, pass it on, you know? Um, and then the third thing is, is my more like literal wealth one is, I don't want to open up a, a huge, you know, this could be another 10 episodes here, but the smart entrepreneurs and the successfully, financially successfully ones are successful not because they made the most money in their business, but because they made the smartest decisions with the money they did make in their business. And it's very easy to do the things like I've done where you just go out and buy the nice things as soon as you start making money. But if you can develop the discipline to be strategic with what you do with the money that you're making, you will have true wealth. And for me, that was real estate. And when I started seeing that I'm building two machines, a business machine that creates cash flow and then a wealth machine that creates actual financial freedom, that changed my entire life. And that's what I do. I look at a portion of the money that comes in always and I'm saying, how can I reinvest this to create some sort of investment plan for me or cash flow consistency? And, and, and today we have like a whole short-term rental property business that we've built up that was completely funded by my primary business. Those are three things. I'm sorry you wanted one. No, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. And the last mm-hmm. one is, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for more love in our life? It always starts with loving ourselves. You can't, you can't um, give what you don't have. And it's really hard to receive love from others when you, when you reject it from yourself. And if you're even listening to this podcast, that means right now to this point, you're some sort of entrepreneur. Anybody else who's not interested in this stuff would have clicked off, right? So that already means you're weird. <laughs> we're, we're weird in the sense of we're, we're different and unique. But the problem is, is that most of us grew up in a society where there was a certain standard and expectation or a mold that we didn't fit into. I was even reflecting at this dinner, at dinner right before this episode, where I was like, man, there's so many of the things that I just like kind of grew up insecure about because I wasn't very good at them and didn't come naturally. And today I see how all these things like leadership and business and marketing and sales comes naturally to me. And I didn't put the value on it because society didn't put the value on it. And I've learned to love and appreciate all that stuff about me. And, you know, obviously I'm going to say the thing that people know conceptually, but the body doesn't necessarily know is that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're not like, you know, God was, you know, drunk that day. He made you kind of nonsense. Like 
we're just all unique and 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 different. Uh, yeah, we all could use some more healing, but there's something so powerful and magical when we just accept who we are and the uniqueness of who we are and stop trying to prove anything to anybody. Stop trying to blend in with everybody else. Stop trying to say what everyone else is trying to say and do it their way and just be us. Because if there was no point for you, then you wouldn't be here. And when you can find that place, not in your head, but in the totality of your being, I mean, look out because life takes on a whole new meaning. Everything's in technicolor and that love you have for yourself becomes contagious and people want nothing but to be around that. And you'll have more that you get to give to others because you have it uh, within yourself. Mm, beautiful. Oh, I love that. Or whatever. We could just talk about marketing. <laughs> and SEO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I truly feel like I need... 24 more hours with you straight because there's so many more things that I want to ask you and maybe we have to bring you back on you can you can hang you want to do a 24-hour podcast let's do it first ever okay we'll get some buckets underneath the desk (laughs) (laughs) IV of food and let's do this yeah I'll be (laughs) breastfeeding at the same time it's all good it's all good you're like hold on James I gotta turn off the camera for a little bit (laughs) And if I didn't have to go breastfeed my daughter now, we would stay on. But thank you so much. How old is your daughter right now? She's just over one and a half. Oh. It's the best. First one? First one, but I have a stepson who's 16 as well. So I kind of like yeah. dabbled in it. Well, you know, it's it's definitely not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he's been in my life for a very long time and he's just divine, so beautiful. He's 16 and... Yeah, I've got our beautiful one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. She's just heaven. That's beautiful. And, yep, they do force you to manage your time as impeccably as possible. What a blessing. Yes, absolutely. Such a blessing. And you are a blessing. You truly are. The work that you're doing in the world. Oh, thank you. You are helping so many people with your content, with your programs. Everything that you're doing is helping so many people. And you deserve all the success that you have because you are serving, you are very heart-based and I love and adore your work. So I want to know how I and the listeners can give back and serve you today. The best way to give back is to give a listen to, to my show. Maybe even just starting with that episode with my sister because it was a really wonderful one. And, and if there is a, a bit of your audience where they're kind of just starting out, I'm you know, I recognize that some of the topics I bring up are more advanced. You know, that's my, that's always my challenge is, you know, I talk about some, some advanced things. I try to do the advanced things in the most simple way possible, but to see my sister go from nothing to build this business in one year, it, it, the, the feed people said is one of their favorite episodes, um, just because it's like, it gave so many people hope um, but my podcast, like I, I talk about, it's a business podcast, but we don't really talk about business that much. You know, I, I talk a lot. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been on a spiritual path for some time and that's been just an extraordinary unfolding journey in my, in my life. And I love to, to pass on what I'm learning there and what I'm practicing, what I'm not learning there. And just the like, you know, what people bracket as mindset and all that type of stuff on that show. So that's called Mind Your Business. And it's, it's wherever you listen to, to podcasts, it's there. And um, if you like it, you can just like send me a DM on Instagram. I'm James Wedmore over on Instagram. If you don't like it, 
then I'm Brandon Lucero over on Instagram, <laughs> so you can. <laughs> Oh, thank oh. you. We'll link to that in the show notes as well as the episode with your sister. I love the the name as well. Mind your business. I think that's awesome. James, you are awesome. I think it's awesome too. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It is awesome. It's so good. Thank you <laughs> so much for being here. Yeah. I'm so grateful. Oh. You are wonderful. Keep doing all of the amazing work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You as well. I got so much out of this episode and feel so inspired with the direction of my business and so excited for what is to come. I truly am so excited. And if you have something bubbling away inside you, use this as your sign to start it, to launch it, to get it out into the world because we all have magic inside of us. And it's time to be birthed. And I'm so excited for you. So check out James's work. And if you got a lot out of this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you never have to go searching for a new episode. Now, please come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode or your business idea or what you're going to do with your current business, I would love to hear from you. Come and share. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. <laughs>